Hello and welcome to the Urban Permaculture Podcast. My name's Heather with Hogs and Hens Urban Farm and I'm so glad that you decided to join me today. On this podcast, I talk about all things permaculture related, um, specifically related to the city, and we talk about homesteading and all things sustainable living. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Make sure, if you haven't yet, check us out on Facebook. We have a page, Hogs and Hens Urban Farm. You can find us on Twitter, at Hogs and Hens. You can also find our website, www.hogsandhensdayton.com. And of course, if you love the show, please make sure to give us a follow and give us a review if you haven't already yet. It really helps the page quite a bit. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. And now it's time for the show. Hello and welcome to the Urban Permaculture Podcast. I'm Heather with Hogs and Hens Urban Farm, and we've got a really exciting episode lined up for you today. I have a very special guest, and we are going to talk about foraging for some wild plants today, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. So without any further ado, I'd like to meet you to meet your today's guest. Hi, everyone. My name is Chandra Jones. Um, I live in a small mountain town on the western slope of Colorado called Rifle. We have a 40-acre homestead called Hogback Homestead. Uh, We raise currently pigs, chickens, and geese. And I also own Ages Apothecary. It's uh, an herbal apothecary that I wild harvest and grow my own medicinal uh, herbal medicine and make a whole line of wonderful products. Very exciting. Um, now there is there are a host of things available in the apothecary world, and I was super excited to find your shop. Um, I follow Harold Thornbrough very closely, and he had posted a link to uh, your shop and his page. And as soon as I, I started diving down the rabbit hole and going through your page, I knew I was like, I've got to get her on the show. <laughs> so excited to have you today. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah. So we've got a whole lot of different plants we're going to talk about today. Um, mm-hmm. the, if you want to just kind of roll with it and start out with some of the the plants that you are most excited about this season. Well, I know that it's going to, you know, differ from area to area, um, but I tried to pick some fun spring herbs that I think we all kind of have in our general area. Um, herbalists call these plants people plants. Um, a lot of people call these plants weeds because they grow abundantly around us and some of us are always trying to get rid of them. Um, so I'm hoping to shed some some new light on these plants today and maybe give people a, a different viewpoint on all the wonderful things they can do. Fantastic. Yeah, you will never, ever find any uh, insecticides or herbicides in our garden. I absolutely welcome every one of these plants that we're going to talk about today, and I use a lot of them around our homestead also. Um, But the first one I wanted to talk about, dandelions. You know, so many people spray for dandelions, and you see a yard full of dandelions in the city, and a lot of people's first reaction is, oh, they don't take care of their lawn. My reaction is, oh, they love the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dandelion is um, like a superhero of the plant world. And, you know, oftentimes people don't realize when they have dandelions in their yard, it's actually an indication of your soil quality as well. So Mother Earth is really awesome about what she does for her soils. And she'll put different plants around to, you know, if it's really compacted soil, she'll put deep rooted plants there to help break up the soil or you might be lacking in something in your soil and so you have dandelions so if you really want to get rid of your dandelions you can actually find out what's going on with your soil change that and the dandelions probably won't grow anymore. but after this hopefully you will want your whole yard to be full of dandelions yeah. so um, tell me all about it why do i want dandelions in my yard i know why i want them but tell, right. let's hear about them So dandelions, the whole plant is medicinal. It's also um, a wild edible food. So you can use the leaves, the flowers, the roots, and they all have really great properties. Um, It is a bitter herb. So bitter herbs help with digestion. 
they help move stagnation. Um, they also have inulin in the roots, which is a prebiotic. So that helps to promote good gut health and helps to feed your microbiome. So that helps whole digestive system, which is awesome. And you can make so many things with dandelion. You can do infused oils, you can do teas, you can do vinegars. Um, one of my favorites is actually pesto with the leaves. I love to make pesto. So we'll do basil and dandelion leaves and just do your normal pesto recipe. And you have not only a delicious, you know, pesto, but it's also full of vitamins and minerals and all the good stuff. Now, when you make your, your um, oils with a dandelion, what part of the plant do you use for that? And how do you, how do you use that? So I typically do the dried flowers for my oils and dandelions will close up and turn into those little poofs. Mm -hmm. You know, they're kind of, um, they're like a day flower. So you got to get out there early to grab them while they're open. Otherwise you'll go back later in the afternoon and they're all going to be closed up. So I'll go out and I just use my fingers. I don't even clip them. I just pop off the little flowers, bring them back inside and I will lay them flower side down so that they, when they dry, they don't close up and that'll help to actually dry out the whole flower. Um, one of the things with making herbal oils is uh, water content will make things mold. So I prefer to use dried plants anytime I can. There's obviously some plants that work better with fresh plant material and there's different ways of doing your oils with that. But mostly, you know, I dry the, the flowers and then I like to use a method called the alcohol intermediary method for my oils. Okay. And so I'll use uh, dried plant material and grind that up and then put a little bit of, of alcohol on there mm -hmm. and let that deep for just like a tiny bit of alcohol, not like you're making a tincture. And then you just kind of let the alcohol not only, you know, disinfect, but it helps pull out the herbal components. And then after that, you put it in a blender with some oil and you just blend it till it's warm. And it's a quick, easy way to make herbal oils that last a very long time. And that's a lot easier than steeping it in oil over time. I know um, like with planting, a lot of times you'll dry the material and you got to soak it for, for months sometimes to really make sure all that material is extracted. But, but the uh, alcohol extraction is definitely a lot more efficient method for sure. It is, and it helps preserve it, helps it last longer. And for me, you know, it's like, I don't really want to wait three months for my oil. I just want to like, let's do it. Let's get it, get it going and, and make the product. Sure. And then, um, so violets, tell me about violets. That's not something that a lot of people think of as something you can eat. They look at it as a beautiful little weed. <laughs> yes. Yes, these are all going to be beautiful weeds. Violets are, of course, beautiful. We love to look at them. And if you have a whole yard full of violets, you know that amazing smell. It's just such yes. a wonderful, light, fragrant, beautiful floral smell. For sure. Um, the leaves and the flowers are what you'd be working with with violets. The roots are, they will make you throw up. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in an emergency situation, you might want to use a little bit of the roots, but just for today, what we're talking about would be the, the leaves and the flowers. And you, a lot of the recipes you'll see for violets is the famous violet syrup. Mm -hmm. So you can make like a simple syrup with them and a beautiful purple syrup. You can use that to add to teas or you can add it to like LaCroix bubbly waters and make a really fun mocktail for the kids. Um, it's also really good. Same with dandelion. I mentioned the vinegar thing. So all of these plants are going to be mineral rich. And one of the best ways of pulling minerals out of plants is with vinegar. Um, so any kind of medicinal vinegar you make is going to pull all those really nice vitamins and minerals out. And then you can uh, make that into salad dressings. You can just take it as a tonic. You can mix it in basically wherever you would want to put vinegar. 
And so violets are really cool because they are a lymphatic mover, which means they move the metabolic waste in our body. They are anti-inflammatory. They're good for lung health. Um, some people use them as an expectorant and expectorant helps to move phlegm out of your lungs. So that's another good use for them. Awesome. And yeah, like you said, the color is absolutely beautiful. I've used a vinegar extraction with them before to dye fabric. That's mm -hmm. something else. It's a natural fabric dye. I've, I love doing that. Now, when you use your vinegars, are there any particular vinegars that you're kind of partial to? I know in our house, we use apple cider vinegar that we make ourselves. Um, but is there anything in particular that you would recommend if you're going to try to do some of these things? Yes, absolutely. If you're going to make a, a medicinal vinegar that you're planning on ingesting, you definitely want to use a raw apple cider vinegar, organic, um, best you can get. We have kind of a, a local um, vinegar that we get over a couple towns over. And so that's really nice because we can get a nice organic raw local vinegar. But if you're going to do something like a cleaning vinegar for your house that has herbs in it, then you can just use a white. All right. Now, stinging nettle. This is one that I know yes. when I've talked about in the past, people have turned their heads like, what? But yep. stinging nettle is a fantastic crop. It's a very medicinal yes. plant. So let's hear about stinging nettle. So like you said, most people are like, why would I want to do anything with stinging nettle besides stay away from it? <laughs> and yeah, stinging nettle is actually an amazing plant. And I think if it didn't have the stings, then it wouldn't exist because all the animals would probably eat it. <laughs> I, I sincerely so, agree. <laughs> yeah, stinging nettle is like the nutritional powerhouse. So all these herbs we're talking about today, they're um, referred to as alteratives, which are nutritive. Some people call them tonic herbs. So nettle falls in that, you know, high, really, really high in vitamins and minerals. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably one of those foods, you know, all of these spring uh, foods are, they help us to cleanse out from the winter with all the like fats and roots and maybe some of the decadent treats and desserts <laughs> and alcoholic beverages we've been, you know, having during Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's and all that kind of stuff. These spring plants come in and they, they do the spring cleaning, you know, they they help flush it out. They give you the minerals that they've been pulling up from the soil. Um, so with the nettles, it's the same as dandelion. The whole plant you can use. In the spring, you want to use the leaves. In the summer, you want to use the seeds. And in the fall, you can use the roots. And so all of them have, you know, wonderful qualities as far as giving you um, like I said, vitamins and minerals. The seeds are actually used for kidney health. And um, surprisingly enough, they have a, like a, an energy to them. They give you, they give you energy. That's not like a chemical. Very cool. So with, uh, with the stinging nettle, I like to do the same. The vinegars are a really great one. And the pesto, that's another really delicious pesto, especially you could have that dandelion and the nettle in there and get like a real powerhouse pesto. That's awesome. Now, how do you harvest it without absolutely just destroying your hands and arms? Depends on how brave you are. <laughs> <laughs> Some herbalists know a good way of picking them by hand. Others use gloves. It's, it's really a personal preference as far as if you like the sting or not. There's actually a medicinal value to the sting as well. And some people actually use it for arthritis and they'll take the fresh plant and actually hit arthritic joints and it causes like um, blood flow to the area. And it might be kind of uncomfortable to start, but after a while, once that inflammation goes down, so does the arthritic condition. So that's, it's a personal preference with, with the sting of stinging nettle. Um, another really cool thing about that is that oftentimes a plant that will help with the sting will be growing next to stinging nettle. 
So in my area, that's, that's violets. So if I go and pick stinging nettle and I actually get a little bit too stingy, I can look down and there's a violet there. And I just grab a violet and I'll just kind of mash it around on that site and inflammation gone, itchiness gone. So that's Perfect really Perfect cool. symbiosis in nature. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Now, um, when you cook with the stinging nettle, like if you're, if you're preparing it in a heat solution, it, it neutralizes the sting some, right? Yes. So drying it, um, pulverizing it in a blender and, um, yeah, just about any way besides fresh, like obviously don't put fresh nettle in your mouth. You will not enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely heat, um, mashing it up, drying it, that'll all. Awesome. Now, um, how about cleaves? Tell me about that. Oh, cleavers. So yeah. cleavers are a really fun plant. And even if you don't know the medicinal value of them, you may have seen them out in the wild. They have this really cool Velcro quality to them. So yeah. they're kind of a, a wispy spring plant with, a, I think they, they refer to it as a, a whirling um, leaf pattern. And when you pick it up, you can just stick it right to your shirt and it'll just stick there like Velcro. It's really fun. Kids really enjoy that part of it. Um, but like the nettles, because of that Velcro quality, just eating them straight can be a little scratchy in the throat and on the mouth. But this is also a really great lymphatic And This one, just like all the others, it helps clear out system it helps move any kind of toxins and waste we have going on it's for hot dry conditions you know as far as like burns and irritable gut and all of the the hot irritation stuff fantastic now, do you use that in like an oil solution or vinegar, or how do you extract the the nutritive properties, the medicinal properties on that one? Once again, that one's awesome in vinegar. Yeah. Um, another thing you can do with these plants, all of these plants, especially cleavers, is make an herbal infusion. An herbal infusion is like a really strong cup of tea. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you take a lot of the plant material and put it in a big jar cover it with water, hot water, and let it sit for hours, like four hours, maybe more. So it's just a really long steeped tea. And that really helps pull out all the vitamins and minerals and all of that. And if you don't like to drink a, a giant jar of <laughs> green tasting tea, you can pour it into ice cube trays and freeze it. And then you can add that to smoothies or juice or something like that to try and hide the the green taste if that's not <laughs> your thing. Because I know sometimes it's it's difficult to drink a giant quart of green juice or green tea <laughs> or something right. of that nature. So that's For my sure. little my little hack. Awesome. What about burdock? I know we have a lot of burdock growing around our property. So let's let's talk about burdock some. Yeah, so in the fall time, most people probably know burdock. It's probably gotten stuck on your dogs or your livestock <laughs> or maybe even on you when you're hiking. And yes, burdock can be a nuisance for sure. So one of the best ways to deal with that nuisance is dig it up and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so with roots, it's really great to either do it first thing in the spring or in the fall. And we do that because the energy of the plant is in the root at that time. After it starts to make its stalk and do its flowers, it's putting all of its energy up into its, you know, flowers and seeds and starting its reproductive system. So the roots are like dandelion, but they're more of like they're a bigger root typically. So if you can get them up, which another thing in the springtime, the ground is a little softer, so you can get a little bit more of the root. Odds are you'll you'll never get the whole root out with a burdock right. because it is a very, very deep tap root. But you pull up that root and you can saute it up with other like 
like carrots and other root vegetables, you can just eat it just like a, just like a food. Um, it also has inulin in it, just like dandelion. So that helps with the gut health, which we all need a little extra boost on that, you know, sure. as far as all the things that we, we have in this world today. Um, it's great for the gut and it's great for the liver. It helps clear out all of that waste. Anytime we support the liver and the gut, it also supports our skin. It yeah. supports our mood. It, you know, kind of has a snowballing effect, you know, and it just gives us that overall good health. Absolutely. That's one of the great things about all these plants we're talking about. You know, most of them do function well in the digestive tract and they do all kinds of great things. And like you said, the whole basis of your body, it, it's, it's centered around your gut. If your gut isn't happy and your gut isn't healthy, you're not getting the nutrition that you need from the, the vegetables and plants and things that you are eating. So these are some awesome plants for those things. And now with burdock, you only eat the root, correct? Um, I think the leaves are like the leaves aren't poisonous. Um, I don't really use the leaves. Some herbalists will tincture the flowers. Um, sure. I think I use that for like a skin for skin issues, but I typically just use the root and I, and I usually blend it with dandelion. Awesome. Now you're getting to one of my absolute favorites and that is yarrow. The last, the last two that we're going to talk about today in this list are my two favorites and that's yarrow and plantain, but yarrow, oh, those flowers, they smell so good. <laughs> yeah. Yarrow is a really, really cool plant and it grows abundantly. I mean, there's lots of decorative versions of it. There'll be pink ones and yellow ones. Um, typically for medicinal use, we use the white ones. Mm -hmm. It is another bitter, very, very bitter plant. <laughs> I have made the mistake of making a, a big tea of yarrow and realizing that I cannot drink it because it's way too bitter. But I can use that instead of drinking it. I could use it as a hair wash. I could use it as a face wash. You could use it as a wound wash. Um, it's it's a, um, a wound healing plant. This plant is really cool because its energetics are not just cold or warm. It can move blood, but at the same time, it can stop bleeding. So it's kind of like the magical plant in that way where it can kind of just do it all. It can help with infections. It can help with cleansing blood. It can help with digestion. There's kind of like nothing that yarrow can't do <laughs> so the tea it's itself just a little is bitter horribly and bitter <laughs> yeah but yeah. um what are some other ways to use it then would you make an oil solution or a tincture or how would you prepare so would, it if you're not going to eat it <laughs> i love to make oils with it that's definitely one of my favorite things to do i love to blend that with the dandelion oil it makes a really nice you know cuts and scrapes bumps and bruises kind of thing kind of covering all bases with the dandelion, the yarrow salve. Um, I like to make a wound powder. So you would dry it, grind it up and keep that in like a little baggie or something in your little first aid kit. And if you get a cut, you can actually sprinkle some of that wound powder on there and it will help stop the bleeding. Um, I don't really put that one in vinegar because like I said, it's horribly, horribly bitter. So it doesn't really, I mean, you could, you definitely could put that in vinegar. Tinctures, I like to do that one with tinctures because then you can, you know, get the medicinal qualities of it and put it in tea, hide it in juice, kind of disguise it in there. If you do make a tincture, you will notice the inulin in that. So sometimes if you make a tincture out of dandelion or burdock or yarrow, you'll see this milky, white solution at the bottom of the tincture and some people will go oh no my tincture got, it went bad that's Not at all. typically in that's typically inulin and you want that that's a good thing to have in your tincture awesome yeah. now are you using the flowers the leaves the roots what part are you using for these different things you can use the whole plant in yarrow yarrow's good to go with that um it depends if you want to uproot 
your yarrow if you want to continue to have your patch there. I mean, it does spread really well with rhizome and seed and all of that. So it will spread, but if you're pulling out the roots, obviously you're pulling out the whole plant. That's a personal preference of if you want more there or not. Sure. And now we're at plantain and plantain out of all of them is probably my favorite. I found it years ago. Um, we have a, an old family recipe for, for a plantain based salve and that stuff in our household is our miracle cream. Everybody calls it that. <laughs> it is yep. it's crazy. The amount of things that the plantain can do. So let's, let's yeah. hear about plantain. Tell me all about it. Yep. So if you know dandelion, you probably know plantain too, because they seem to grow pretty close to each other. And um, so there's a couple different kinds of plantain, obviously. Um, there's like the broad leaf, which has a wider leaf and the narrow leaf. They typically have these little strings inside of the leaf when you pull them apart. And that's one of the good ways to kind of tell if it's plantain or not. Um, like yarrow and dandelion, the whole plant is medicinal. So you can use the seeds are really good. Uh, the leaves are really good. The roots really good. This is a, a moist plant. So it is also referred to as a demulcent. So demulcent plants add moisture. Mm -hmm. They can be great internally for leaky gut, any kind of heartburn, you know, stomach indigestion. This is like kind of like aloe vera in that way, where it just goes in and it just soothes everything. It also has um, a pulling quality to it, like if you have a splinter in your finger and you put some plantain on there and cover it up, it will help draw out that splinter um, in the same way it does that with infections in the body. So if you have tooth problems, you could make a mouthwash with it and help pull out infection in your teeth or you can use it as a face wash to help wash out any kind of issues you're having with irritation and inflammation on your face as well. Um, I typically use this one topically. I You can make the vinegars and the tinctures and all of those teas. It's good as a dried tea as well. It's pretty mild. It doesn't have a real bitter taste. I think maybe later in the season it might be a little bit more bitter, but so you can tastes do a dry like grass. <laughs> I yeah. think it tastes like a grass. A lot of these will taste like grass. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've used plantain to... I'm sorry. I was going to say, there's kind of easy to to hide in things that grassy taste. You can oh, for sure. Some... Oh, absolutely. I've thrown handfuls of just fresh plantain, washed it and thrown it into my vegetable soup before. I mean, you can do yeah. all kinds of stuff with it. And I've had bee stings before when I'm out working in the garden. And instead of going inside and, and dealing with it, I'll literally just grab a plantain leaf, chew it up and make a poultice and just slap it on and let it do its thing. And by the time I'm done gardening, usually that bee sting will completely have pulled out. It's crazy what that plant can do. Yeah. Yeah. And if you mix that one with yarrow, you know, you got a really great sap right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you do more than just the, the foraging for medicinal herbs for us. You also have herbs for your chicken coop. Yeah. So that's a fun little thing that I've started doing. I mean, it's not new. People have been putting herbs in their chicken coop for, for a long time, but I find that it helps not only make the chicken coop smell better, right. but it helps with the, the pests, you know, our aromatic plants, the plants that have strong smells, they help to keep the pests away. Absolutely. And some of the plants that I like to use um, out where I'm at, we are really abundant with sagebrush or great basin sage. Um, it's also, its Latin name is Artemisia tridentata. So that is a sage, and it's not like the culinary sage. That kind of sage is actually in the mint family. Mm -hmm. So this is in the Artemisia family, and it grows abundant here, and it's great. You know, some people will use it for um, smudge sticks. You've probably mm -hmm. seen it used in crystal shops and things like that with smudge sticks. So that's that's the herb I'm talking about. And that one's great to just put straight in the chicken coop, dried or fresh. You can mm -hmm. just pull it off, stick it in there. Another one, uh, lavender. 
Lavender has been used for centuries to help with pests. Uh, so that smells great and helps the chickens. Mm -hmm. If you put it in an area where either in their nesting box or where they're going to do their desk baths, they'll just naturally roll in it, kick it around, get it up under their feathers. And that's a really like easy way to keep your chickens healthy. Um, let's see. It helps got... with mites a lot. I yes. know that mites can be a real thing with chickens and it, I, everybody I know that's done that and added the, uh, lavender into their dust baths. I've not heard the nesting boxes, but that's a great idea, but yeah, yeah. everybody I know they they'll tell me and it makes the chicken coop smell more pleasant. Like you said. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and mice, mice don't like high fragrance stuff either. So it'll help to keep them out as well. Um, another great plant for that is wormwood. People probably don't really think about that one, but that one's another great aromatic plant that helps to keep worms and pests, you know, just pests and yucky things out of the chicken coop. Sure. You can put the yarrow in there. Uh, that's another great one. And so, yeah, I like to blend all those aromatic herbs together and sprinkle them all around the coop. And like I said, fresh, dried, doesn't really matter. It'll dry out in the coop. Nice. Now, do you plant any of them, like uh, intentionally plant any of them around your coop or are, we, are you just using harvested herbs in the coop? So with the sage, like I said, it naturally grows abundantly in our area. Sure. Um, I haven't perfected growing lavender yet, so I actually <laughs> get it from um, a local source over in Palisade because sure. they are experts at growing lavender over there. So I help support them. Uh, I grow my own wormwood. I enjoy wormwood and I use that as a medicinal tincture and in a lot of my salves. Sure. So I like that one. And yeah, if I can get aromatic herbs like mint wild harvested, I'll wild harvest that and put it in the coop. But it's a mix of wild harvest and uh, homegrown. Wonderful. And you have got all kinds of things in this shop. A lot of the products that we're talking about, you sell those right in your apothecary. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I make, um, like I said, I make salves, infused oils. I make tinctures. Um, sometimes I call them extracts. Tinctures and extracts are kind of right. interchangeable in the language <laughs> of herbalism. Um, I make bath soaks from time to time with my herbal oils that I'll mix with Epsom salts and make little bath soaks. Um, I also make herbal steams, which is a really cool Ooh. way to use herbs. So I don't know if you've ever had the bowl of hot water and you put the the herbs or salt or something in it and you take a towel and put it over your head and breathe in the steam. Yeah. So you can do that with herbs. You can make all sorts of different kinds of blends for whatever kind of lung issues you're having or any kind of skin issues you're having or stuffy nose, sinus stuff. Um, so sometimes I'll make whole herb steams with actual dried herbs. Or I'll do um, sea salt with essential oils. And that one's a little bit easier for people who aren't familiar with herbs. They can just put a little spoonful of that in there instead of being like, what am I doing with all these herbs? I have no <laughs> idea. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's another fun, nice. fun product in the shop. And of course, I do dried herbs from time to time. We're pretty small scale. So I don't, I'm not like mountain rose herbs or anything like that as far as my my dried herb selection, it's kind of seasonal and small, but I do that as well. Awesome. That's fantastic. And I know um, you are currently working towards getting um, some more education behind you. You're wanting to do a little bit more with your herbalism. So do you want to tell everybody about that? Yeah. So of course, I mean, once you get into herbalism, it kind of snowballs into all sorts of, of categories and one of the things I'm working towards is um, learning homeopathy. Uh, homeopathy kind of goes hand in hand with herbalism, but it's definitely its own thing. It's, it's actually over 200 years old. Yeah. And it's a really cool alternative medicine that uses um, natural substances. And it basically sends a signal to the body to heal itself. So it's a really cool way of letting people know that they have all the power in them to heal themselves. And it's a, a very holistic way of practicing because instead of 
focusing on the disease. Homeopathy focuses on the symptoms. So there may be three people in the room with a cold and homeopathy will figure out the right remedy by the symptoms. And so, you know, one person might have a headache and a stuffy nose. and The other person might have, you know, they're feeling really tired and they don't have necessarily a stuffy nose, but, you know, they have nausea or something. They all have the same cold, but they have different kinds of symptoms. And so homeopathy will take those different symptoms and narrow it down to find the remedy that works for that. That is fantastic. Well, I am so glad that you agreed to talk with me today. I know we've learned about all kinds of really cool things. And I really hope that after after hearing our, our interview today, that more folks will recognize that when you see these things that people think of as weeds in our garden, really, weed is just a term used for a plant that you didn't intentionally put there, right? I mean, it's it, a right. weed is only a weed if you declare it as such. Otherwise, it's just a plant. Right. So yeah. I'm, and my hope is that in, in, you know, hearing from you today, people will recognize the fact that these things that you're trying to get rid of may actually be actually a wonderful powerhouse of nutrition and medicinal values that are right under your nose. It's, it's crazy the amount of medicine that is right in your side yard. And most people don't even realize it's there. It's true. And once you start identifying these plants, you'll go out into nature and instead of just seeing green, you'll say, oh, there's cleavers. Oh, there's nettle, you know, there's violet. I know that plant and I know that it has this quality and it kind of helps you appreciate nature more. And I think it, it helps us kind of open our eyes to, you know, the, the wonderful plants around us. Absolutely. I, I got started years ago and, and I started out, like I said, plantain, it was, it was my, mm-hmm. my gateway drug, if you will, <laughs> into the yeah. world of herbalism. And it's funny. Cause when I, I first started dating my husband, he didn't know most of these things either. And now we'll be driving down the road and he's like, did you see that huge clump of plantain? Maybe we should stop. <laughs> or yeah. Like what's that? Can we eat that? Is that something that's <laughs> It's it's definitely yep. something that becomes a bit of a of an addiction. <laughs> yep. And all these plants we talked about today, they're all like really safe plants. So you identify them, you find them. They're good, good starter plants. They're, you know, very nutritious. They're just they're a good group to get to know. Really. And and all of the ones that you mentioned today and that we talked about, they're all very unique and it's really hard to misidentify these ones. They're yeah. they're pretty clear to figure out. That's definitely broadleaf planting. That's definitely yarrow. They have a very yep. distinct characteristic and they don't have a lot of lookalikes out there. Not too much. Um, dandelion definitely can have some lookalikes. Mm-hmm. A wild lettuce can look like dandelion, but that's not a poisonous plant either. Most of them are fairly, you know, similar. There can be um, some mix up for some reason with, with mullen and foxglove. I've seen people mix up that, which is a weird one, but it happens. And that's that's obviously a dangerous one. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, with, um, with these plants, it's, it's pretty easy. You know, they all kind of have, like you said, they're, they identifying mark, you know, if you're wondering if it's stinging nettle, touch it. Right. <laughs> if it stings you, it's stinging nettle. You know, if, sure. if you are wondering if it's cleavers, pick it up and stick it to your shirt. If it sticks, it's probably cleavers. Yep. Well, and you mentioned mullen. Mullen is another one of my absolute favorites that you will rarely find a time when there is not dried mullen in this household because, man, the respiratory benefits of that plant are just crazy crazy and they're huge there's so much plant material from one i tried this year i'm going to see how it works out i harvested some seeds and i'm going to try to propagate some and see if i can get a mullen patch growing in the back part of our food forest because we use it so much and i want it somewhere not close to roadways because that's another thing with these plants that i we should probably mention i suppose is that you got to be careful where you're harvesting too because you want to make sure they're coming from a safe area you know, mullen, I know it picks up the heavy metals and things. So if you're in like yep. runoff or right by a highway, it's picking up all that yep. exhaust and, and engine gunk. And you don't want that, obviously. So um, there's a few of these others that are like that as well. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big thing with any kind of wild harvesting. 
You want to be careful of where you're getting it. All of these plants are pulling minerals out of the ground. So they're also pulling toxins out of the ground. So you need to be really careful of where you're harvesting away from, like you said, roadsides, uh, away from pollution. Think about what's upstream. You know, like if something's flowing downstream, it's going to get to that plant as well. Um, I know a lot of people in the springtime um, go out and look for asparagus on the side of the road. And here in my area, I have literally seen the spray truck go and spray the side of the road. So while it's a fun activity to go out and find stuff like that, it's really, really important to watch for those kind of things. Sure, it's, it's a big deal. And with the whole mullen thing, like that's a really cool thing about it being able to pull up those toxins is that you can use it if you're not going to use it medicinally for yourself. You can use it medicinally for the planet to pull up those toxins and, mm -hmm. you know, soil remediation, get that that yucky stuff out. Right. And it's a great green manure to just chop and drop yes. um, or use in compost. I mean, it, it still is a great, great way to do that. Even if you're not able to use these, you know, if you have a reaction to some of these things, you can absolutely compost them and use them. You know, you just got to be careful of seed heads so, and make sure you're hot composting if you're going to do something like that. So you don't spread right. them by accident. Right. <laughs> and um, mullen, sometimes when you're, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, mullen, that's the toilet paper of nature, right? And I think people who say that have never wiped their skin with mullen because it can cause irritation on your skin. And I personally would, would not try that. I don't think that's a good, a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the whole plant with that one is also medicinal. You can use the root. Uh, you can use the flowers. The flowers um, are used mixed with garlic and made into an oil for ear infections. Mm -hmm. That's a, a definite uh, go-to old school oil for ear infections. The root I've heard can be used topically for joint pain and for bladder issues. I typically don't do well with the root myself. So that's mm -hmm. another thing that we should mention is that everybody's different. Not everybody's going to, um, relate to these plants the same way. And so that's another really cool thing about plants is they're unique like us. And they have this really cool thing that uh, herbalists call herbal energetics. Right. If, if you want, I can, I can go into that category. Please do. <laughs> so just like humans, you know, herbs have these really cool temperatures and stuff like that. You know, you might hear somebody say, oh, I run really cold all the time. I run really hot all the time. Mm -hmm. So herbs can be matched to people in that way. So a lot of these herbs that we talked about today, they are cooling herbs. And as we get into the seasons, spring, summer herbs are going to be more cooling. The fall and winter herbs are going to be more warming. And then we have dry and moist. So like violets, violets are cool and moist. So that means that they cool down the body, but also give moisture. So if somebody runs really hot and dry, or if you're, you know, out on a hot summer day and you're dry and hot, and irritated, violet would be a good one. Whereas nettle is cool and dry. So, and you can see that in the, like environment that it grows, it typically grows in a swampy area. So that's a, an indication of what it can actually do for our body. So it can cool down the inflammation, but it also dries us out. So right. if you get to that point with herbs where you really want to try and herb, try and match it to your own constitution is what we call it. And you can mix and match herbs in that way and formulate them differently to, you know, make it a more warm, you know, tincture or a cooling tincture, moist and dry. You start finding these different elements of each plant. And then it's not just what's this plant good for, you know, the allopathic way of I have a headache. What do I take for it? Right. You know, it's kind of you want to go the more, more holistic approach of, you know, why do I have the headache? Am I 
dehydrated? You know, am I, you know, have a tension headache or is it a liver thing? So there's, there's lots of different ways, stress. Yes. And so herbs are very unique in that way. And if you, if you take the time to study them, you can really match them to your personality and get the best from them. Cause sometimes people will take some herbs and they'll be like, man, I didn't do nothing or I didn't feel good on that herb or something of that nature. And, and you just got to look for the one that matches you. And then it right. odds are you'll get a lot more benefit. from it. For sure. I found too, that it takes some time of getting almost detoxed from some of the synthetic things that we take, you know, myself, I haven't taken over-the-counter medication and gosh, it's been probably 15 years since I've taken over-the-counter medication. And so myself, I have no tolerance to those things at all anymore. So for me, if I get a headache and it's, it's not getting better by drinking some water or having a little sip of tea with some caffeine or things like that, it's like, well, let me go grab some willow bark. Like on some willow bark because it's a natural aspirin. I mean, aspirin is derived from willow bark. And so, you know, people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, hold on, I'm going to go cut a chunk of my tree. (laughs) And they just kind of stare at me like, you're going to do what? And I'm like, yeah, just trust me on it. You know, and I've got friends who are like, oh, I've got this raging headache. And I'm like, well, drink some water. And they're like, very funny. I'm like, no, really drink some water. If that doesn't work, have a sip of some tea. If the caffeine doesn't do it here, let me cut you a chunk of this bark, chew on this. And they're like, that's gross. Why would I do that? I'm like, it's aspirin without all the chemicals, you know, synthetic, everything's a chemical, but it's not synthetic chemicals. And they're like, oh, there's so many things around us. And I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. And I I'm super excited to have you. I definitely would like to talk to you again this fall. We can talk about some more of the fall, um, some of the fall herbs and things, because there's a lot of things that we've talked about now that you're not really going to find later in the year. And there are things that you're going to find later in the year that you're not going to find right now as well. So if you'd be interested, I would love to have you back for that. I I know that uh, our listeners are going to love that. Yeah. And if you're inspired to learn, to learn herbalism, my, my suggestion is to find lots of herbalists to learn from because everybody's going to have different viewpoints on, on what they do and how they do it. And yes, there are some guidelines to the ways of doing things, but it's not set in stone with a lot of the techniques that people use. And it's finding your way when it comes to herbalism. Don't, don't ever get stuck with just, just one person. Reach out, you know, get on the podcasts. There's lots of really good information out there and explore it. That's the, the best way to learn herbalism is to, to really explore the vast world of it. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's really important to remember that anything you hear today cannot be construed as medicinal advice. Neither of us are doctors or medical experts that we can't legally give you medical advice. These are things from our own experiences. And also when foraging, it's really important to, to work with somebody that knows what they're doing. Go out there with somebody who's got experience because, you know, I had a friend of mine who was absolutely convinced that some poke berries or poke weed were elderberries and I that that can be horribly terribly awfully bad those are poison and you know there are people who eat them but it is not at all a safe thing to do and so you know I had to very very calmly try to say please don't eat those I don't want to I don't want to see you sick today (laughs) you know it's important to know what you're taking in and if you're ever in doubt pass you know, your, yeah. your body and your health are are more important than thinking that, you know, what you're doing. Don't ever, ever do something unless you know, without a doubt with these things. Yeah. And, and learning herbs through their life stages, you know, if you really want to kind of get to know a plant, maybe don't pick it, maybe watch it in the spring, watch what it does in the summer, watch right. what it does in the fall. And that might help you identify it because maybe in the spring, it's just little leaves. And then all of a sudden in the summer, it's got its flowers and you can say, oh, now I definitely know it's plantain or now I definitely know it's fevers or nettles or violets. They'll all show themselves in different stages. And that really helps to identify the plant you're working with because some of the green stuff in the spring, it can look similar when you're not, you know, when you're starting out. So sometimes it's best to just keep going back, keep going back wait for the plant to show you exactly who it is. 
<laughs> yes. As you can see, my dogs would like to make a guest cameo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're hearing whining in the background, guys, that's my dogs. Bob is out in the garden. He is working on the fence on our side lot and they are not happy that they are inside with me right now. <laughs> um, but I, again, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Um, tell us about your website. Where, where can we find you? Are you on social media? Tell us all about that. So everybody knows how to find you if they want to order some of these things. If, if you don't want to harvest these things yourself and you want to know that you are getting exactly what you're asking for prepared the way that they should be prepared, definitely go to ages apothecary. And how would we do that? Yeah. So thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate having the opportunity to come on and chat with you. It's definitely an inspiration for me to share, you know, my knowledge. That's how herbalism is. You, it's the people's medicine. You, you share it as much as possible. And so, yes, if you go online, I'm all over social media. I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I'm even on Twitter. I'm not really on TikTok. That. <laughs> Not, I'm not a TikToker. Um, so it's just agesapothecary.com. That's where my website is. That's where you can get products from my apothecary. Um, I'm also putting a small homestead shop up that'll have, you know, little gift shops with fun piggy pictures and chicken pictures and that kind of thing. And um, if you're kind of a local in the area, I'm planning on doing plant walks this year. So oh, if you want to come out and learn some of those plants with me, stay tuned because I should be setting up some plant walks this year. Um, I'll also be at a couple events. If you're a local, I'll be at Dandelion Days in Carbondale, um, possibly some farmer's markets in the area. So yeah, and if you have any questions or uh, comments or anything like that, I'm I'm open to, to chatting. Just send me an email on the website. Wonderful. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It has been thank a joy you. having you on and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Yeah. Thanks again. <laughs>